Hello and welcome to the Alpha Class. I'm your host, Vuk Skadaka. Today we are joined by my friend and great mentor, Mark Safoulis. Mark Safoulis is a high performer in everyday life. He is the co-founder of The Tennis Menu. He is the head coach at Maribyrnong Tennis Academy, the head coach at Melbourne International Tennis School, and an assistant coach for the VFL Richmond Football Club. Today we'll be talking about performing in everyday life, talking about gratitude and how other coaches can develop themselves. Also, what we can do with our players and much, much more. This is an episode you don't want to miss. Stay tuned. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Alpha Class today. It is a pleasure to have Mark Sefors here with me today. Thanks for, thanks for having me, Lucas. Thank you very much for your time. Just quickly tell the audience about your coaching experience and career, just in a quick, brief minute. If you yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's been a long, long career, obviously. Um, you know, I'm 38 now. I've been coaching for over 22 years, I think. So wow. uh, it's been a long time of uh, coaching and different experiences. But, um, yeah, so I'm head coach at Melbourne International Tennis School uh, in Melbourne. We've got a few venues across the world. Head coach of the Maribyrnong uh, College Tennis Program. Uh, the co-founder of the Tennis Menu. Uh, I'm an assistant coach at the Richmond Football Club and have been there for the last uh, 12 years. And I'm a coach developer at Tennis Australia and done that for 13 years. So um, different, I guess, different uh, avenues of coaching and coach education. And it's been a long journey and, uh, and one that's been very fulfilling as well. That's amazing. So it looks like you've got a pretty hectic schedule on your hands, huh? It's uh, it is quite hectic, and uh, you throw in two kids and a wife, and uh, and uh, and because uh, a, a personal life, and it's uh, quite challenging to, to juggle for sure. But um, yeah, it is. Uh, it's it's something that I'm passionate about, so it's not not obviously uh, a hard thing to do when you're passionate about something. Excellent. And how do you manage with obviously you got two young kids at the moment? How do you manage that work life balance? Yeah, well, it's a good question. It's actually a very good question you ask. I, I don't think you you can. Um, and, I, and I think if you if you want to be in high performance, which is what I'm in in terms of coaching, it's very hard to, to have a work life balance. Um, you know, I think high performance requires you to be high performance mindset from everything that you do. And if you want to be elite at what you do in work, it's it's challenging. Um, and I think you know if you if you look at uh, the best coaches and players around the world, their work life balance is zero, um, and it's unfortunate. Um, I've done. Uh, I've tried to put a lot of work into the balance side of it, but uh, you either got one or you've got the other. And um, and unfortunately, for a long time, I didn't have the family side of it. But I think now I'm erring on the side of more family than I am performance coaching. Right. So basically, if anyone was to get in the coaching environment, regardless what sport they choose, it'd be they'd have to pick one or the other. They can't have both, in a sense. Is that what you're saying? Oh. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a way of being. I think high performance is is a way of being. If you if you choose to to have a brand that is high performance, you choose to spend a lot of time on your brand. You spend a lot of time. You know, we do it on the court. Um, if you're in business, you you're working so hard on your business to become the best it can be. And yeah. yes, you can have your family. Absolutely, there's no doubt. But the balance is not going to be quite in the middle of of your scales, the balance is going to be on one side or the other. There's no doubt about that. So I think it's important to understand that if you are looking to be performance, you are looking to, to put a lot more time into your performance side of your life as opposed to your family side of your life. Of course. And talking about high performing, being a high performer on and off the court, what do you think is the most uh, beneficial thing to develop yourself as a coach and as a person from a high performing point of view? 
Yeah, look, I think the, the most important part is develop yourself as a person first. Uh, and first and foremost, you put your time into yourself and who you are and how you want to be and how you want to look and how you want your brand to become. That's the first first point of call when it comes to high performance. Um, I mean, there's no doubt you can read, you can do different things of watching YouTube and, and so forth, but there's nothing like actually going out there and, um, and doing and making mistakes. And for me, high performance is making a lot of mistakes. It's of about being creative and being prepared to put yourself on the line and being prepared yeah. to stuff that up. And when you stuff that up, you learn that's not the right way to do it. And I think whether you're an athlete or a coach or you're in business, I think, you know, if you can stuff up more, you'll actually become a lot greater because you're challenging yourself and putting yourself out of your comfort zone. Yeah. So would you recommend, let's say someone getting into, let's say a new business or uh, coming from a player to a coach to go straight into the deep end rather than just researching and doing all the, let's say, theory behind it? Are you more supportive of putting someone in that deep end and letting them learn and make mistakes from the very start? That's how I coach. I mean, I've learned to coach out of the comfort zone and um, you know, probably as well as anyone from getting coached by me that you're going to be put in situations where you don't feel comfortable. You're going to, you're not going to like it. Um, But at the end of the day, if you want to have maximum or maximize your growth, uh, you have to maximize your growth through uncomfort. Um, You you develop most out of your uncomfort, out of your comfort zone. And, and I believe that if you, if you can continually put yourself out there and throw yourself into the deep end, as you say, I think it's important to, to do that because you'll grow more rather than steadily uh, at a quicker rate. So, look, there's, there's times where you need to plan. I don't think planning is something that we need to put to the side. I think you've got to plan. But more importantly, it's about doing. Um, there's too many people that go into business and they just they plan so much that they don't do. They're too scared to do. Um, never be fearful of making a mistake. Yeah. Yep. Never be fearful of making a mistake. You know, throw, put yourself out there, throw yourself in the deep end, uh, learn on the job. You know, there's no point waiting years and years and years. Just put yourself out there and uh, you will make mistakes along the way, but that's that's where growth comes in. Of course. And would you recommend that from a young age, whether it be from, let's say, primary school up until, let's say, a 24-year-old going to uni or starting a new job? So it doesn't matter with age when they can start doing that or when you can provide that yeah. information to people? 100%. 100% like I've got a daughter who's five and another one who's three. The more you uh, do things for them, the more you structure things for them, the more you keep them safe, the less they grow. You, you've got you've to create the challenge. And if there isn't a challenge, growth isn't, it doesn't have the ability to be there. You know, and we always worry about, you know, uh, as a first-time parent, don't get me wrong, it was like, don't oh, don't fall off the couch and don't jump and don't run and you'll hurt yourself. And I used yeah, to right. protect my, my oldest daughter and mm. um, the youngest one, as everyone knows, the second child, you just let fall off onto their head and they'd be fine, get yourself up. And they become the toughest one generally. Yeah. And I think it's about the challenges that we, we put out to our, our players, our people, um, and allow them to grow, allow them to be themselves and work things out in their own way. How about the challenges now, obviously, going around the world with the pandemic? 
week. What do you think most challenge, uh, players are challenged now with obviously not being able to hit on the practice court? Yeah, look, I think there's, there's a huge challenge in life in general. I think the biggest challenge is mental health for sure. Yep. Um, people will be in situations where they're losing jobs, um, you know, family strain, everybody's at home, the stresses of being together 24 hours a day, um, finding things to do, being creative at home. Um, they're, they're the challenges for me at the minute. You know, I think that the, uh, the following up of all of this pandemic is going to be the financial side of life and people not being able to afford to do what they used to do. That's, that's the challenge. And, you know, tennis is, tennis is easy to get back. I mean, if I get on a tennis court, I can hit as much as I want. I'll be fine in a couple of weeks, but it's, it's more the fact that is your mindset going to be okay? And I think if we can all get through this, we're going to get through it as, as stronger people because the challenge has been put out to us. And I think we're going to grow from the challenge, but I think the biggest part about uh, what we're going through now is just getting through it um, and getting through together and, and staying connected and staying uh, as, as, as one. I feel like these sort of situations in stress, we can generally break up and lose connection. But I feel like if we keep connected and, and stay close to loved ones and obviously help each other out, I think we'll, we'll definitely get through the other side and, and be a lot better for it. Yeah. Do you also think finding the positive rather than negative in this situation? I know I've told my kids and obviously my team around me that during this negativity time, it's so easy to get under the bus and constantly think negative thoughts and obviously not develop yourself, etc. So would you recommend more people in general to use this time to develop more their psychology because obviously they're not doing much active work and this is a great opportunity for them to develop from that point of view? Oh, absolutely. 100%. There's, there's no doubt. This is a great opportunity for us to develop mindset. Uh, I've got a lot of my players doing all gratitude training day in, day out, and we, we focus on what is going well for us every day we focus on all the positive things we focus on what we do have and not what we don't have of course and if that is uh, you know for me that's the biggest part about this situation I'm staying connected with everyone that I coach and all my friends as well I'm, I'm staying in touch with because at the end of the day it's about our mental well-being and if we're mentally fine at the end of this and we feel strong enough mentally yep. we come out of it we can go and train and get fit and, and hit balls that's that's a secondary to, to everything else I think it's the mindset for us is, is critical to be able to push forward in life and you know I'm, I'm trying to practice day in day out you know what I'm grateful for and what I do have and you know I might not have a job I might not have money coming in I might not have the ability to go and coach and see other people and, and connect with others and communicate with people from a face to face perspective but what I do have is I have my family I have my time at home I have the ability to sleep I have the ability to construct my own day my own times I have the ability to create online I have the ability to do things I've never done before I have the ability to learn how to use a computer better than I've ever done I have the ability to read and all of a sudden you go well hang on a second you've got more chances to do more than you had previously yeah. and yeah I do Yeah, that's, um, that's and, that's, and that's the positive in the situation that's amazing what, what's your take on do you teach your players uh, med- meditating so especially during this time now we obviously want to work on that psychology so what's your take on meditation and uh, being conscious in the moment and being present of what you're doing and developing your mind as well. Oh, there's no doubt being present is the most critical part of life. I think we always, we do one of two things. We look too far behind and uh, focus on what has already happened, which we can't control. 
and then we focus too far ahead and go, I want to, I want to get to this point, but we don't focus on the present moment. Yeah. The present moment is going to get us to where we want to go. I can't focus on what's going to happen in two years time if I don't concentrate on what the present moment is doing. So definitely meditation is one uh, way of doing it. Mindfulness is, is a really important factor. And almost stopping yourself every moment that you see something that you're grateful for. So, for example, right now I'm sitting in front of a computer with you and I'm, I literally stopped before and I heard you didn't see it, but I stopped before and I was grateful to have a, literally a computer in front of me. Yeah. Oh, I had a glass of water in front of me and I was like, well, I've got clean water. Yeah. So being conscious and being present in the moment is one of the most important factors, especially for a tennis player because it's so easy to look in the past and look at all the things that we're we're losing points, we're losing games, we're five love down, as opposed to, hang on a second, what can I do currently that's going to change my, my future outcome? Of course. So even I, what I tell some of my, uh, my players as well is, okay, they're upset during their matches or they lose a match, but it's not the be-all, end-all. Be happy that you can go home, you have a bed to sleep on, you have a roof over your head, you have mum and dad there to talk to you, whether it's positive or ne- negative at the time, but just be grateful for those things, whereas matches come and go. You're going to win some matches, you're going to win some matches as well. So it's looking at the bigger picture as well in my yeah. eyes. So it's everything around you that you have rather yeah. than mind yeah, it's, it's 100%. It's interesting that um, I did, I'm doing a podcast at the moment um, doing data and basically yeah. one of the stats that we had was um, on clay, Rafa Nadal's record, something like a 90% win win record on clay. Yeah. But yet his uh, winning ratio of points, he only wins 54% of the points. Right. So, you know, you think about a guy who's almost undefeated on clay courts is seriously only winning every second point. Yeah. So, you know, this is one of the biggest things that we have to learn to do as tennis players, tennis coaches, is teach our players about mindfulness and being present and being able to control their thoughts at that particular time to be able to then control what happens in the future. Of course. And as your experience, because obviously you've worked with WTA and ATP players in the past and currently working with some now, and you've been at the top level with Grand Slams, how have you transferred that knowledge to them and how has it taught you as well being in that environment uh, look I think the, the biggest thing about ATP WTA players is that their livelihood um, is all based on wins and losses and I think we as coaches need to we need to understand the theory behind yeah we need to stay in the moment yeah we need to show not as much emotion or all that sort of stuff but when you're dealing with your pay packet at the end of the day, when you're dealing with your bank account, when you can't afford to live or eat or travel, it becomes challenging to do that. And I I, um, challenge anybody out there to to say they could do a better job than the players in the tour because it's it's a brutal game and you're relying on your week-to-week results. So I think passing the information on to the players is one thing. Getting them to trust me and buy into the concept is another. You know, I can talk to my players until I'm black and blue in the face about positivity and about moving on and about staying present. But, you know, if, you know, you don't win this match and you can't buy an air ticket home, um, if that's what's on the line and I'm asking them to stay controlled with their emotions, I'm kidding myself. You know? yeah, um, so I've got to understand the athlete as much as anything and, and make sure that they understand that I'm with them hundred percent of the way. And I totally understand when they crack, crack it on the court and they lose yeah. their mind and um, they may break a record or two. Yeah. I totally understand the feeling and the emotion, 
but it's important to understand and get them to learn through doing and making those mistakes rather than me always, hey, you shouldn't be throwing your racket, hey, you shouldn't be losing your mind. Um, make the mistake, talk about it, get them to understand what the consequence of that, of that uh, decision was. Uh, and then, you know, eventually they'll learn to come through at the other end a different person and a different player. Yeah, I've noticed obviously some people, how they look at players like machines. They're not machines, they're people like you and I, we all have feelings, we all have emotions, etc. So it's, I think, understanding the player the most before you can do any work. So that's the main thing. That's uh, first and foremost, if anyone's out there, he's, he's a, a leader, a manager, a coach, um, a parent. If you don't understand the person that is in front of you, if you don't get where they come from, if you can't grasp the concept that they are people first, um, my saying is that we are people much longer than we are athletes and if we can't understand that concept as a coach or a leader or a manager and we are just telling people what to do we are in the wrong game and that is not the job for us so it's important to understand that we are people much longer than we are an athlete of course and obviously being around your team back when I was playing you obviously showed me that type of philosophy that you have so that's obviously one part of your coaching philosophy what else do you communicate to your team and players as well uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's no doubt it is my forefront of my philosophy. So it's person, athlete, player in those three steps in order. So the person is developing personal characteristics that are that are successful pathways in life. Uh, second is to develop the athletic ability to be able to handle the rigors of the game. And thirdly is the game because if you don't have the, the training habits, the standards, the quality of practice, the mindsets, and then if you're not physically capable, you can't play tennis. You can't play a sport. Um, and that's the stepping stone that I have. And, you know, I take that into everything that I do from uh, from tennis through to AFL, through to mentoring different people in different industries. Uh, you know, for me, that is first and foremost um, my concept of, of development. Yeah, yeah. No, that's great. And how do you look at it, let's say – you have a player that comes to you and they say A, B, and C doesn't work. Um, previous coach uh, taught me this, but it didn't work, blah, blah, blah. But you say, okay, well, they haven't done it in this certain way. And they come and you're saying to them, well, I can teach you these things, but you have to go by my coaching methods, my philosophy. And if they say, if they come back at you and they say, well, uh, I can't do it. Is there a chemistry that can there be a bond moving forward with that player or let's say team or any, any relationship? Yeah, I think, I think your philosophy needs to be um, adaptable. Yep, I think your way of coaching style needs to be adaptable. So yeah, I, the, the short answer to that question is yes. Uh, you, you need to be able to adapt to the kind of personality that's in front of you as a, as a leader. And, you know, it's not always my way. Um, there was, there was, don't, don't get me wrong. There was times where you and I clashed. Yeah. You know, there was yeah. times where me and your brother would clash. Yeah. Um, and it's not because it's a personal thing. Yeah. It's because it's a, a different, a difference in opinion and that's okay. Um, you know, I would say to you, Hey, hey book, this is what the way to do it, or this is what I'd like you to do. And you said, no, I want to do it this way. And then I tried to find a way to manipulate it to get into the middle. Yeah. And then you would think it's your idea, but then it was partially both ideas. Yeah. Now, as a coach, you need to be able to bring your players' thoughts with your thoughts and mould it to, to make one. Yeah. And I'll give you another quote is that people very rarely push back against their own ideas. 
So if you wanted to do something, you know, and you demanded that you do it your way, hmm. I would manipulate it to make you do it your way, but the way that I wanted you to do it. But I'd yeah. make you feel like, hey, um, book, uh, you you've given me the idea. So um, I think it's important as a coach to be able to manipulate people and the way they think to think that they're always right. Yeah, no, that's great. And let's say in the last two decades, do you think the coaching or the method of coaching has changed in any way as long as with the game? Uh, I think I think coaching has changed a hell of a lot in the last 20 years. Um, you know, I grew up as a player um, being coached and parented from a dictatorship. Um, so it was like do this, do that, this is how you do it, this is when you do it, this is all that sort of... And now it's more collaborative. So I feel like the coaching has become a collaborative um, decision in the way that we, we think of things rather than it being coach-driven. I think it's more equal now, uh, almost to the point where players will drive it and the coach will, will guide it. And that's kind of another little saying I have, players drive, coaches guide. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's important that we understand that one. The game itself has changed in 20 years and I came through as a player, um, 38. So as I grew up, it was heavily net orientated. Um, it moved into heavily baseline orientated when the Spanish yeah. came on and then the Dales came through. And now it's almost become a blend of both. Yeah. Uh, and I think, I think the game in the future is going to be a blend plus a little bit more net play because I feel like it's going to go back and shift a little bit, not, not as much as it used to, but I think there's going to be a shift in the game where it's going to become forward of the baseline a lot more mm-hmm. than what it is now. But uh, look, everything evolves. And I think if we are not adaptable, if we are not willing to change and accept change, we as coaches will get left behind. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, exactly right. So that's great. Um, VFL also, you've been with the Richmond Footy Club yeah. as an assistant coach. So how's yeah. that from a coaching point of view? So, yeah, we've got tennis more of an individual sport. How does that change mm. now in a big team environment, more coaches in the team as well that are involved and a, just a big, big family to work with? How does that work? Uh, it's, it's definitely one of my passions in life and, and right at the minute uh, due to this situation I've obviously lost my role at the club and as, as long as, as a, lot of, a lot of others have done as well and it's unfortunate but you know um, nothing is different in coaching uh, at the end of the day we are still coaching individual athletes and just a lot of them yeah. <laughs> and that's basically how I look at it and people say well how do you do two sports uh, I do two sports because I'm able to coach people not because I'm great at the skill of coaching. It doesn't matter whether Uh, you can play tennis or football at a high level. No. At the end of the day, you're coaching people's habits, standards, behaviors, um, and you, and you're keeping a quality product in, in the people themselves and not in the sport itself. Now the sport element does come into it at a certain point, but at the end of the day you're coaching people now I've been fortunate enough to go through at the Richmond Football Club for 13, 14 years now and uh, I've seen where it came from from a position of nowhere Um, we would you know, no money. We had a poor facility. Uh, we had our coach get sacked to the point of where uh, we win two out of the last three premierships uh, in the AFL. We win the VFL premiership, lost the grand final as well, um, being such a successful uh, period in the last three years. And just to see the changes that go on has all been due to people. Right. It hasn't been due to anything else. And right. you have the right people in the right jobs with the right attitude, with the right standards, the right behaviours, all going in the right philosophy on the same page. 
and you know what, you can be anything you want. So I think it's, uh, it's, it's shown me that the philosophy does work and, you know, it's something that I, uh, I'm very fortunate enough to be able to have the opportunity to work there and stay there for as long as I have. And I'm very grateful for it as well. Excellent. So would you say, let's say, regardless in what sport or what type of business you go in and you want to be that high performer, having a great team around you that are on a similar path to you, is that something yeah. that you'd recommend to people out there or should they have a, uh, a mixture of different people, let's say, around them? Oh, no, look, it's it's a team-orientated game. Tennis is a team-orientated game. Life is a team-orientated game. Mm. Um, I think if you ask 100,000 people um, to name their 50 closest friends, you couldn't do it. That if I said to you, name your three or four closest friends, you'd be able to tell me straight off the top of your head. Yeah. And they're the people that we hold dear to us, that we, we go to and lean on for advice. And it's no different to an athlete. You can't have too many people in your team because then it becomes contradictory in, in messaging. Course, yeah. So you have a small team, a team that you trust, uh, everyone's honest, everyone's on the same page, and it makes your outcomes become uh, a lot more clear and a lot more successful if you can all go in that one direction. And, you know, I've seen a lot of things break down where there's too many people in the group, but, uh, you know, at Richmond Footy Club, we've got 120, 130 people that work in the organisation. Mm. But we're all working on the same philosophy with the same values and everybody is in touch with the philosophy and the coach brings the philosophy to the admin staff and the footy department and connects the group. You need to have connectors. And if you don't have connectors and you just have individual people working in silos, you can never create a strong foundation for success. Right. And do you believe in the law of attraction that what you attract is actually what you bring to yourself? So from having a positive vibe and your characteristics, etc., you actually attract people to be a part of your team or if not support you? Yes, yeah, spot on. Uh, law of attraction is a huge one. You know, what you put out, you get back. Yep. You know, you put, 20, you put a dollar in the drink machine, you get a dollar drink back. If the drink's worth a dollar and you put 80 cents in, you get nothing back. Yeah. So it's whatever you put out, you put out, you're going to get back. And I think that is critical in terms of, you know, mindset, in terms of coaching, in terms of life, in terms of, in terms of family. Uh, I think it's important for people to understand what you are and who you are. Yeah. And this is where we go back to people again, right? Course, Just come yeah. back to that same thing. Who you are is going to attract what comes to you. Yeah. No, that's excellent. And also you've obviously started a new company called The Tennis Menu out there and you've obviously done it with other team members around you. So you've obviously attracted people that are on the same page and want to help people, other people in every way possible. So tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, so the tennis menu is basically, it literally started as an idea where we wanted to put together um, all of our coaching ideas that we've had over the last 20 odd years. And literally I sat down just started writing down all my drills that I do and um, and then that grew into, okay, how about I video those drills? Okay, so we thought we'd video them and then we thought, okay, we can just educate our coaches on our philosophy. It's gone from that to now an online coaching product that uh, is going to be a step-by-step guide to how to develop players, strokes, games, uh, physical, mental, 
nutritional uh, right across the board and, and eventually into other sports. So, um, you know, the tennis menu is something that I've worked on with uh, Nick Gissing, who's a the business partner of mine, and obviously all the people at MITS have been great with their, their contri- uh, contribution as well. But, you know, we want to create a product that uh, is years and years of philosophy and years and years of hard work and uh, ideas that we've collated for so much and uh, so much much time and put so much blood, sweat and tears into. So it's um, hopefully, you know, not far away from launching within the next month will be hopefully on the market and, and people can get, you know, ideas around things and join webinars and subscribe to, you know, different uh, mindset oriented things and podcasts and blogs and and you name it, we're going to have it. So it's, um, it's a passion for sure. It's uh, turned into something that I never thought it would. Oh, that's excellent. So also you've done an amazing job on Instagram. You've got now 10,000 followers on the tennis menu. So already a lot of people are starting to look into it and obviously it's being more and more popular, engaging with a lot of players and coaches around the world. Yeah, it has been. It's been a good uh, couple of years and it just takes time to build anything, you know, and nothing, nothing's ever going to be successful straight off the bat. And you need time and you need money and you need passion to be able to make anything grow. And that, that's what we've done. And it has been uh, challenging at times and there's times we've put it on the back burner because it doesn't make you any money when it's just sitting on a, yeah. uh, on a computer. And, um, yeah. and look, it, it, it's something that obviously has taken a long time, but hopefully when it launches, uh, you know, people will be um, able to access all of my thoughts and processes and the way I go about things and and I'll be very accessible through that as well. So anybody does want to make contact through that is, uh, you know, avenues to do that as well. Yeah, and how will they make contact with that? So if they wanted to... Yeah, so they can get through, obviously, um, the tennis menu or I've got my own um, website, marksofpoolers.com, where you can go to and and request, a, you know, an interview with me and then we can talk about whatever you want and we can go through um, some programs that I do run from mentorship programs and coaching, etc. And, um, yeah, so any anyone that wants to reach out, I'm all over social media, so you can, yeah. you can contact me in any way and I'm pretty pretty open to discussion and uh, happy to, to communicate with people that are really passionate about life. Excellent. No, especially during this time because obviously I think personally the evolution of coaching will be more online and the fact that you're already doing all this online coaching, mentoring, providing drills and all that stuff is amazing. So during this time, guys listening, it's, it's, it's an opportunity that you don't really want to miss, especially Mark here providing everything here. So it's, it's an amazing opportunity for everyone they can get a hold of. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a challenging time for everyone. I, know, I do um, hope everybody is out there and, and doing the best that they possibly can to get through this time. We will get through it. There's no no doubt whatsoever. We will get through the other end and we will get through it as stronger people and uh, with a stronger character. And, and that's just going to be a testament to our, our courage to stick, stick at it. And uh, we will be better for it. And um, obviously the world is going through a challenging time, but stay positive and let's stick it out. Mark Sapolis, it was a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you. And there you have it, guys. Thank you for tuning in to the Alpha Class. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and rate us. If you want to keep up with our movements, please head to our Instagram and Facebook page at Australian Alpha Tennis Academy. I'm your host, Books Kadaka, and I'll see you again next week.